many know that in God's eyes, there's only one church in this region? We are, we are part of his church, and even though we meet in different buildings for the sake of evangelism and discipleship, when God thinks of this region, he thinks of a region-wide church. And so anything that we're doing, we need to recognize we're part of the body of Christ. And so we're, we're going to burn the mortgage tonight, and I've had a few pastors in this city um, send messages to us as a church. And, and so this is one of our friends just down the street, Pastor Adam Clawson with uh, Life Center. City church elders, leaders, and family, your brothers and sisters at Life Center Madison rejoice with you and thank God for the remarkable testimony of paying off your debt. Your wise stewardship and generosity are admirable and appreciated. We have benefited from your generosity, and I undoubtedly believe God has, in return, honored and entrusted you with his favor, this favor and abundance. I eagerly anticipate all that City Church will be, able, will be more, even more empowered to do now for the kingdom and his church. What a witness. Blessings and increase to you all the more. With love, Adam and LCM. This is from Craig Robertson at New Crossing. Dear City Church family, New Crossing Church and I praise God that he has blessed you with the resources to be debt-free. Hallelujah. I too have interceded for you over the years as you have faced significant financial challenges and have witnessed the God-honoring, have witnessed the God-honoring way your leaders have led you through them. You are blessed to have godly leaders, this seems a little self-serving, who lead by prayer and example. Favor has come on you from the Lord because he has been your first love and you have received the fulfillment of the promise in Hebrews 12, 5. Keep your love, your life free from the love of money and be content with what you have. For he has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Jill and I are blessed to have Tom and Alice as friends and honored to be partners with all of you in God's kingdom, blessings, Craig Roberts and Pastor New Crossing Church. And then this is from uh, Glenn Smith at Metro Believers Church on the west side. Congratulations to City Church, Pastor Tom Flaherty, and the rest of the pastoral staff, as well as all of leadership and the congregation. You have persevered. You have given... Uh, you have sacrificed, you have poured your blood, sweat, and tears into this church for the sake of the kingdom. Metro Believers Church congratulates you on a job well done. No doubt with the debt being paid off, it will free up more resources to be used for the kingdom of God to be advanced as well as helping to resource ministries and other churches in this area. But beyond that, the process of achieving the goal like you guys did has brought your church together in a tighter way. And that speaks to the real heart of the matter. God can do so many wonderful things when the church, church's heart is united. Vicki and I have watched from a distance and sometimes very up close and couldn't be more happy and prouder of our friends at City Church. Your church has an extremely bright future. We love this church, we love your pastors, and we trust that God is doing something fresh and new. This is a new beginning as you step into the freedom of not being entangled or restricted because of debt. Many blessings, Glenn Smith. Would you mind standing with me in honor of God's word? So we've been doing a series called The Names 
of God and that everything Jesus is as the I am, there's something in it for us. He's revealed through his names what he wants to be to us. He wants to link his name into our identity. And so he's the Lord, our righteousness. He's the Lord, our sanctification. He's the Lord, our peace. This week, it's gonna be the Lord, our provider. Next week is the Lord, our healer. It's the last week in the series. I want to encourage you to bring people that have a diagnosis over their life, that are living in pain, that are, are living on pills, that their life has been imprisoned because of sickness. Anybody that needs a healing touch, next Sunday, all three services will be healing services. We will pray for the sick. I believe we will see many people healed and touched, but all of them loved next Sunday. And so I just want to encourage you. That's a, a little advertisement for next Sunday. But here we are, uh, Genesis chapter 22. The Lord, our provider. Do not lay a hand on the boy, he said. Do not do anything to him. Now I know that you fear God because you have not withheld from me your son, your only son. Abraham looked up and there in the thicket he saw a ram caught by its horns He went over and took the ram and sacrificed it as a burnt offering instead of his son. So Abraham called that place, the Lord will provide. And to this day it is said, on the mountain of the Lord, it will be provided. Would you pray with me, please? Father, you have a word, I believe, for every single heart here today. Hide me behind the cross. Holy Spirit, come and be the real teacher in this place. We love you, we honor you, we'll give you the praise for every good thing that happens here. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. You may be seated. The Lord, our provider, point one, Jesus Christ is God's provision for the human race. Look at Genesis 22.2. Then God said, take your son, your only son, whom you love, Isaac, and go to the region of Moriah. Sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on a mountain I will show you. Friends, the Bible tells one story, and it's the, sto- it's the story of redemption. The Old Testament, sometimes in greater ways than others, foreshadows what Jesus is going to do And the New Testament starts with him doing it and then ends with these letters that explain the significance of what he did. The whole thing is one book, it is one message. Perhaps there's no greater foreshadowing of Christ's death than here in Genesis 22. Abraham, and his name has been changed to Abraham. Abraham means father of many nations. He foreshadows the father's role in our salvation. God speaks to him and says, take your son, your only son, whom you love, and, sa- and take him to the mountain and sacrifice him there. In verse six, it says that Abraham laid the wood for the sacrifice on Isaac's shoulders, on his back. At this point, Abraham's like 115. Isaac's in the prime of his youth. He's carrying the wood up the mountain for the sacrifice. When they get to the top, Isaac 
allows Abraham, trusts Abraham as Abraham binds him up and lays him on the wood. When he raises up the knife to make the sacrifice, the angel of the Lord speaks and says, don't, don't do anything to him. You fear God. And he looks up and he sees this male lamb caught in the thicket. And the lamb is sacrificed. This is a picture. Jesus, Jesus is the promised one, like Isaac was. He's the only son of God, the beloved son of God. The wood he carried was the cross. He carries that cross to his own death where he trusts the Father as he willingly lays his life down. Isaac is almost sacrificed. A lamb, a male lamb, is sacrificed. And the two together foreshadow who Jesus is going to be. He's the only son of God and he's the lamb of God. John 1, 29, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. This, this is God's provision for the human race. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him would not perish but have eternal life. John three sixteen, the golden text of the whole Bible. To be saved... All we have to do, because of what Jesus has done, all we have to do to be saved is to own that we need a Savior, to own that we are sinners, to own that God is so holy that he could not, simply because he loves us, forgive, say, oh, it's not that bad. I guess I'll, you know, I love them, so I'll forgive them. Friends, that's not how it works. God loves you, but God can't forgive you. God loves you, but because of his holiness, he cannot just arbitrarily forgive you. Because he loves you, he sent his son to be the sacrifice, to die in your place, that would uphold his holiness, his righteousness could be, he can justly forgive you and I in Christ. This is the love of God. This is the plan of salvation. Every single one in this place, you'll have a chance at the end of this service to own your sin, to own God's love for you, and to own the sacrifice that Jesus made for you. It is all foreshadowed for us in Genesis 22. Absolutely amazing. But Abraham doesn't just foreshadow uh, the Father's role in our salvation. He also foreshadows a believer's response. How could he be willing to sacrifice his own son? Of course, there was no rule at that point against murder or killing. It was all, this is all before the law. It, he, he's kind of tied to this voice that he's heard and this God that he's walking with. How could he be willing? This is the promised son he had waited a long time for. God had told him. He was born supernaturally. He had waited for him. How can he be, how can he obey God to this degree? Well, it tells us in Hebrews 11. Verse 17, by faith, Abraham, when God tested him, offered Isaac as a sacrifice. Verse 19, Abraham reasoned that God could even raise the dead. And so in a manner of speaking, he did receive Isaac back from the dead. The only way he can make this sacrifice 
is because he's so sure God's heart is filled with goodness and he's so powerful that he has given me the son. He will simply raise him from the dead. He is the first one to believe in the resurrection. And really, he models for us what the believer's response is. Because believers are called Jesus says, whoever follows me, I need you to deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow me. Whoever wishes to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospels shall save it. That we are called to give up that which is valuable to us, that which we love ourselves. We're called to lay it down. How? Trusting the goodness of God and his ability to resurrect us, to become uh, this new identity in him and with him. That is the gospel. We lose our life and we find life in him. Absolutely amazing. Jesus Christ is God's provision for the human race. That's point one. Here's point two. Covenanting with God for provision. Malachi 3, 10 and 11. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. I will prevent pests from devouring your crops And the vines in your fields will not drop their fruit before it is ripe, says the Lord Almighty. So, covenanting with God in provision. So here's what God promises to his people. I know your money is valuable to you. I also know that you can border on loving money. (laughs) And so in one act... In one act of worship, I'm going to free your heart because the Bible says you can't, you can't serve both God and money. Uh, by, by one act, you're going to both free your heart from serving and bowing down to money and you're going to release my provision over your life. You bring, you bring the tithe in, a tithe is 10%. You bring the tithe in and I will open up resources my resources, heaven's resources. You will not be limited to your job. You will not be limited to how you were brought up. You will not be, I've got resources you don't know about. I will take care of you. I will provide for you. And not only that, how many know this? It's not just how much income is coming in. It's how many expenses you have. Doesn't matter how much income's coming in if your expenses are bigger. God says, I'm gonna help you on both sides. I'm gonna open up the window, pour out provision till it overflows, and then I'm gonna help you on the other side. I am going to rebuke that which would devour your finances. I'm gonna rebuke all of those expenses. That, how many know there's lots of expenses that can pile up? Lots of things can go wrong that just are a drain. And God says, covenant with me, and I, we're gonna work on this thing together. Now, it's funny because, and I, I believe he wrote this for men. I just think this is harder for men than women. I don't know why. The, I, maybe because men are the providers and it's just like, you know, we're, we don't have enough as it is and we're trying to get by. And God says, God says this, test me. Now this is a contradiction. In other places it says, do not test the Lord your God. And God says in this one area, I'm going to make an exception because I know how hard it is. Test me in this. 
I know it's hard for you. Test me in this. Start tithing. Start obeying me in this area. Start covenanting with me in this area and see what happens. I am able to take care of you in very, very practical ways. Now, we need to be careful because under the law, which Malachi is still under the law, um, they owed tithes. They didn't, they didn't give tithes. They paid them. That was God's money. God, they owed it to God and they paid them. And if they didn't pay them, they were robbing God. And a curse would come on them. A curse would come on their finances. Guys, that's, under, that's giving under the law. We're not under the law. Praise God, we're not under the law. Jesus became a curse for us. There is no curse uh, on God's people in the new covenant. We don't pay our tithes. We don't owe them and we don't pay them. We give our tithes. In, in Genesis 14, Abraham, long before the law, gave his tithe to Melchizedek. To covenant with God in this area of provision, we give our tithes. Uh, uh, 2 Corinthians 9, 7 says, don't give under compulsion. Don't, because you, you, don't give because you owe it. Don't give because you have to. Because God wants a cheerful heart. He wants a willing heart. This is the spirit behind this thing. So we, we, we covenant with God in our, uh, in our provision by giving freely giving the tithe to God. So uh, I was out to breakfast with a, a good friend of mine. I hadn't seen him in a while and he comes to this church and he, he, he started recounting his story and they were, had to file bankruptcy and had to, he, he had two kids at the time and was going to the River Food Pantry and um, I mean, just barely, barely making it. And, and, and then him and his wife, second wife got married and, and he started, he just started sharing the story of how God has blessed him and blessed him and blessed him. And he said, he said Pastor Tom, I wish I could just tell the whole congregation the, the power of tithing. When we tithe, there is an abundance God wants to release. He said, I can't keep up with God's blessing. And I said, bro, would you mind if I just shared, I won't share your name, but could I just share your encouragement because it's so much better coming from somebody that's in the congregation rather than pastor. He said, I'll do one better. He said, I'll write a letter. I will write a letter to the congregation. And I said, please, that would be so powerful. So he sent me an email with a letter. Unfortunately, he sent it in smaller type than I'm able to read with my naked eyes. So if you send me something, it needs to be in 12-point type or higher. (laughs) So here's his testimony. My wife and I were both saved in 2001 at Mad City Church. Both of us had been raised Catholic, one of the many things that attracted us to Mad City Church and to City Church, where we are current members, was that they did not pass a basket for giving. Growing up, it bothered us that they would pass the basket for giving. Sometimes they would pass the basket as many times, as many as three times during a service. Both Mad City Church and City Church had giving boxes. I always remember Shane, Shane was the pastor at Mad City Church, saying that if God did not provide the funds to operate the church, he would shut the church down. This never happened. It has been amazing to watch how God has worked through his people to provide um, what, what his church needs. Now let me be honest on tithing and giving. This has not been an easy process. 
My wife has tithed faithfully since the very beginning. I wish I could say the, true, the, the same was true for me. For the first few years, I tithed sporadically. It would be especially hard to tithe if I received a bonus check or a lump sum payment that was not part of my normal check. We lived paycheck to paycheck, and I had a hard time believing that God would provide if I tithed. But God proved me very wrong. It was during this time that God really convicted me that this was his money and not mine. I really felt like he was challenging me to test him in this area. I began to tithe on a consistent basis, but still had lingering thoughts whether I was doing the right thing. However, I was able to get to the point that I was tithing and giving with the right heart. It was at this point that my wife and I were really able to start, able to experience, start experiencing God's blessing. At the same time, we felt that we are able to show God our love for him with our tithing and giving. It is so amazing to see what God has done since we were first saved. I had to claim bankruptcy right after we were saved. We both had low-paying jobs and lived paycheck to paycheck. At the same time, we were raising four children. Over the past 18 years, God has blessed us in so many ways. Through God's glory and faithfulness, we have been able to advance in our careers, which has resulted in increases in pay. This has given us the opportunity to give more of his money to tithing and giving. It just amazes us that the more we give, the more we receive. We are able to tithe, give to missions, support the youth group, and give financially in so many more ways. Thank you, God. My desire is that everyone will test the Lord with tithing and giving, that they can experience the freedom that the Lord gives us in this area of our life. I truly believe that God will bless every one of you if you test him. The morning I was working on this, uh, I have several devotionals I, I read as well as the one-year Bible. One of them, that, I'm just going to read a paragraph. Here's what, here's what it says. I don't for one moment believe that God tells us to give to him and his purposes in the earth because he needs our money. He teaches us to give because we need to give. Giving always produces a harvest of greater blessings with joy and many other wonderful breakthroughs for the generous person. So that's point two. Here's point three. God's provision for City Church. I have, I scheduled this whole series so that Jehovah Jireh, the Lord our provider, would fall on this Sunday so that I could tell the City Church story. I have split the the story into three sections. The plan, no, the problem, the panic, and the plan. So here we go. So it is August of 2010. There has been much prophetic and much movement towards Lake City Church, which was meeting in this building, and Man City Church, which was meeting at La Follette, to come together. And we were, we had met, and I had preached over here, and the interim pastor, John Ruck, had preached over at Mad City, and we had had many meetings with people that, that had to work through issues of hurt. With it just, We just worked through a lot of stuff, but the final vote was going to be on August 30th. And so it's, it's mid-August. That vote is coming. There's, there's 30 elders and staff that are going to be in this meeting where the final vote, are we going to go together or aren't we? And... Uh, John and I, good friends, we had talked many times. I knew how, how bad the debt was. The debt was over three and a half million. And uh, 
but John had always said all along, three and a half, it's over three and a half million and we have a cash flow problem. So it's mid-August, I decide to ask the question, tell me about the cash flow problem. And he said, well, we're $600,000 behind on our bills. I was stunned. I was absolutely stunned. We only had a half million in the bank as Mad City. We would, to go together would mean we would be starting out not being able to pay our bills. Whenever you start something new, some people are gonna drop out. People that sign up for Mad City, they sign up for that. People that sign up for Lake City, you put some, you start something else, you're gonna lose people. The idea that we're going to start something new and we're gonna be 100,000 behind from day one and have this huge long-term debt was terrifying to me. I, I've, I'm, I'm, my business was my undergraduate and I was an investment broker for a while. Money, and I'm kind of a realist anyway, and I just went to a very dark place very quickly. And I'm like, I, don't, I just, I don't know if we can do this. And so here was my condition. We're having the vote. Which I said, well, let's go ahead with the vote. But before we have the vote, I need the financial committee from Lake City Church to do a full presentation of how bad it is to, to our elders at, at Man City. And so we, this is right before the vote. The, the finance committee comes and the, they, they explain how bad it is. Uh, the Mad City elders ask them questions. And let me just say this. The unbelievable humility of the Lake City elders and finance committee to just say, yep, this was wrong. Yep, we overreached here. Yep, yeah, we, yeah we've repented. We've asked God to forgive us. It's his church. He can do whatever he wants with it. But the, the tenderness and the humility that they had about past mistakes, honestly, it just, I think it melted all of us. It's just like, we don't want them to fail. We'd rather go together and fail together than have them fail. They're so beautiful. And so, we, we dismissed the finance committee and then we, we were meeting in this circle of 30 and because of the level of what is going to happen, you, we didn't do a hand vote, we didn't do a oral vote, uh, all in favor, aye. We had to go person by person and every person had to say yes, no, or I'm not sure. And we started going around that circle. I will never forget it. yes. Yes, 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 yes. As we're doing these yeses, I know the story. I know those who were so against this at the beginning. I know those that told me I will be happy to resign so that you can do this, but I cannot be part of that. And they're yes, 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 yes. We had 30 yeses, zero no's, and zero I'm not sure. Isn't that amazing? So that, that, that was the problem. Everybody's waiting for the panic. Here's what happens. December 5th, 2010. So this is our, this, this Sunday is our ninth anniversary Sunday. It's not the exact day, but it's the first Sunday in December when, when City Church started. So early December, after we came together, MG&E called. And they said we are going to turn the lights off at the school if you don't pay your electric bill. 
And I just, I just was undone. I'm like, are you kidding me? We're carrying Jesus' name and we can't even pay our bills. This is a dishonor to God. We need to get, we need, we need to, we need to address this. And so I make up this plan that's called destroy the debt. And the, the plan involves letters to everybody and a thermometer and all, all of this stuff that we're going to do. And so I get, I get the committee together to, to tell them what the plan is. And it's, it's uh, Brian Montre. Brian, Brian is the finance guy at Mad City, or had been. And Chris Lancer, he had been the finance guy at Lake City. And at this point, Chris has now moved over to, to direct the daycare. And John Rock, he was the interim pastor. Now he's going to be the finance guy because he had previously been that when it was MGT. So it's those three and me. And I break out the new plan to, des- to destroy the debt. We're going to do this. We're going to do this. We're going to da-da-da-da-da. And Brian Montre, after, there's just a pause, there's just a silence after I share this plan. And Brian, Brian, Brian Montre, God bless him, he says, Tom, we're not going to do any of that. <laughs> he said, it's not who we are. We are going to trust God together. I will always love Brian for saying that. It was like a, it was the clear voice of God to my heart. It's not who we are. This is when I came to Mad City, the reason why I loved it so much was because of the giving boxes. Because you don't have to perform, you don't have to pretend, and you don't have to pay. That this is not going to be about money. And Shane, as our, our guy said, Shane said this often. As soon as we can't pay the bills, we'll just shut the doors. We're not going to beg you for money. We're not going to manipulate for money. If we can't pay the bills, we'll just shut the doors. And I loved it. I loved that whole spirit of we're going to trust God. And so I just, it was just like light coming into my soul. And, and so the panic was off. And now we move on to the plan. Let me tell you how the plan came into effect. Alice and I were going down to the One Thing Conference in Kansas City. And on our way down, I am explaining to her retirement. And we have put some money aside for retirement, but we really need to do more. And I explained to her that every check, I'm now going to do X amount more towards our retirement. And, and I'm just explaining the whole thing, and she's all on board, and that's great, and so we get down there, and one afternoon, Mike Bickle, who's the head of all of Kansas City and the IHOP thing down there, Mike Bickle's speaking, and he's speaking on supernatural provision. And what, what he's saying is this. We all need stories of God's supernatural provision for us because when times get hard, you have to know God as provider. You need to know that just because there's no money doesn't mean you don't have a provider. doesn't mean that God has forsaken you, that God can literally make bread in the wilderness. And so he shared a couple stories uh, of his own life and he's radical. I mean, they had given everything away like twice and how God provided and took care of and just amazing stories of his provision. But he was really a encouraging us all 
call to start building a spiritual history of God as our provider. And so they get to the end and they're going to have an offering for the prayer movement. And of course, we fully believe in the prayer movement. Without prayer, there's no hope. Prayer is the hope for our nation. Anyway, um, Alice turns to me and she says, I want to invest. I want to do something big. Which always scares me when she gets like that. (laughs) I'm like, how big? Now it seems very crass for me to tell you what we gave. But because of where the story is going, I need to tell you what we gave. So we agree, I don't know how we got to this number, but the number was $750. So I write a check for $750 to IHOP and the bucket comes past and I drop it and as as I drop it in, God speaks to me. Here's what he says. I want you to take the money you were planning to add to your retirement, every check, And instead of giving to retirement, I want you to put it towards that debt. You say, Pastor Tom, how did you know that was God? Well, I'll tell you. I knew it wasn't me. (laughs) There's no way I would have had that thought. No way. That was the farthest thought from my mind. And the second was, I knew it wasn't the devil. Certainly wasn't the devil. This could only be God. And right then I said, let's do it. I told Alice, honey, we're not giving more to the retirement. We're gonna give that money towards the debt. And there was just a joy and an excitement in that. There's a second way that it was confirmed that that was God. So January's coming. We're gonna have our big family meeting where we're gonna discuss where we are and what we're gonna do. And, uh, but it's, it's like mid-January and my mom decides out of the blue that she wants to give money, some of her inheritance now to, to, to her children. And so each one of the siblings receives a check for $7,500. It's exactly 10 times what I gave. But, and it was just the, the Lord saying, I am, I am doing something. And he wanted me to know that that, 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 that money that I was going to put towards the debt, that we were going to put towards the debt, that that was his doing. And this is when I started calling it throwing a stone at Goliath. I, I, can't, I couldn't kill Goliath. The, Goliath was too big. Goliath was, here's why he's also, the debt was also named Goliath. It spoke to me. <laughs> every morning and every evening, it spoke to me that we were going to fail, that, that this thing was not going to make it. And my business mind is just like, I don't see how we're going to. But I, I couldn't take Goliath down, but I could throw a stone. I could throw a small stone. Only God could take Goliath down. And so here's what everybody allowed me to do. This is the extent of the plan. We get our family meeting at the end of January. This is early 2011. And they let me add a line to our giving envelopes that said debt reduction. And, because I knew this, it doesn't matter if you have a line there if you don't do the second thing. So we added to our bylaws a rule, a, a law that we can't go into debt, we can't pay off this debt and then go into debt again. 
that, that I wanted everybody to know, if we get out of debt, if you will put towards this, you can be assured that once we get out of debt, we won't go right out and do something else that puts us back in debt. And so they, we did that. We made a change in our bylaws. And then I got to say this at that family meeting. And this is all I did. I just said, Alice and I are going to throw a stone at Goliath. And I invite any of you to throw stones with us. Only God can remove it. And we prayed and believed God together. So here's what happened. We were at a point where we could not borrow another penny. Our line of credit was maxed with the bank. We couldn't borrow a penny from any financial institution. Two years after we introduced that line in the giving envelope, we burned from this pulpit the line of credit. $125,000 line of credit. We burned, we burned that first. Then we let everybody know the next 200000 that's given to debt reduction is going to go in savings and it's going to be in, called an in-house line of credit. We don't ever want to be in a place where, because giving always fluctuates in churches. We don't want to be in a place where we have to go to a bank again. We will go to ourselves first. So we're going to have this $200,000 in-house line of credit. Two years after... Re- burning that one, we had our in-house line of credit. From then on, all money was going towards the long-term debt. Now, keep in mind, we're making building payments all along, so we're paying down the debt, but now we're adding gifts, and gifts are coming in. 10000 here, 50000 here. Um, sometimes we would just have money in savings, and the, the greatest interest you can get is to reduce debt because our debt was at 4.7%. You can get 47 by just retiring debt. So we would kept doing this. And elder meeting after elder meeting, we would look at where the debt was coming down, coming down. I remember when it went down under $3 million. I remember when it went under $2 million. I remember when it went under $1 million. And then this October, we're in our elders meeting. Chris is our financial guy, and he's laying it out. He says, look, guys, there's $287,000 left in debt, and we have over 400 in unrestricted funds. He said, I think we should pay it off. And on October 15th, 2019, we became debt-free. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We are, we are going to celebrate that tonight. And uh, if you have signed up for it, we are absolutely jammed in there. Guys, I'm sorry. If you haven't signed up for it, listen online. Um, I already I told our staff this week, this is like 10 people getting in a, into a minivan. That's what, that's what the gymnasium is going to look like tonight. So I hope you're excited about that. Anyway. Point four, last point. God's plan for us individually. I felt the love of God for our congregation and his desire to help us with our real life this week. I believe this is from him. Number one, come as you are. Come as you are means this. Bring your, however dire it is, bring it to God. 
It doesn't matter how much, how much disobedience there has been. It doesn't matter how many financial mistakes you have made. Bring it to God. God knows about them anyway. God knows how bad it is. Do not hide it from him. Bring it. Own it. Own what it is. What we, here's what we tend to do when we're in financial trouble. We ignore it. We hope somehow it's just going to get better on its own. We, we just keep putting stuff on credit cards because that's all we can do and we have to survive and we've got other things to occupy so we don't embrace how bad it is. You start by owning it. You start by saying, yep, it's bad. Yep, it's this much. Yep, it's that much. Yep, this is it. You own what it is and you bring it before God. Listen. God wants to forgive us of all of our sins, all of our mistakes, and everything bad that has happened. He wants us to have a new beginning. Listen, you do not owe back tithes. You didn't owe tithes to start with. That's not the new new covenant. So God's saying, let's go forward together. Let's wash out all the mistakes, all the sins, all the disobedience of the past. Let's go forward together. Let's call it a new day. That's one. Number two, make a change in your bylaws. Huh, I don't have any bylaws. Oh yeah, every family has a bylaw. Here's the change. If you're gonna give God your debt, and you're going to give God your crisis, and you're going to give God your credit cards, and you want him to help you get out of debt, you need to tell him that if he gets you out of debt, you're not going to go right back into debt. You're not going to go right back out with that credit card because you can, and buy a trip, and buy this new thing, or that thing, or buy this, and be, and go right back into the thing God got you out of. You need to get that in your bylaws. You need to say, God, you get me out of debt and we won't go back in. We will not go back in. We will not do what we did last time. That's two. Here's number three. Test God in your giving and start throwing stones at Goliath, trusting that God is going to take Goliath out. Test God in your giving and then start throwing some. There's a little extra money. Let me tell you how you can get 18% on your money. I've got an investment that will give you 18% guaranteed. What? 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 How, how do I get that? By paying down your credit card. Guaranteed 18%. Every dollar you pay out, get, pay that thing down, that's an 18%. You just made a lot of money on your money. Start throwing stones. Start throwing stones. But throw them in faith. I've got this little here, this little here. It doesn't seem like much. The debt's like this. Listen, God is not afraid of Goliath. God is bigger than Goliath. God can take down Goliath. Here's number four. Get ready to celebrate. The first celebration is when you burn that last credit card bill where you're never gonna use your credit cards again to go into debt. Credit cards are very helpful to use to pay things in our culture, but uh, not to make those payments. You just pay it off every month. Alice and I paid our credit card off every month. You can do it. Burn that last bill, and then get ready for the second celebration where you burn your mortgage, just like we're doing tonight. God wants 
to free his people. He wants to partner with his people. He wants to help you with your life. All right, could we have every head bowed and every eye closed? So maybe you are here today, and if you were honest with yourself and honest with God, you might as well be honest with God because he already knows the truth anyway. You're not sure whether you're forgiven. You're not sure whether, you, if you died, whether you would go to heaven. You're not sure that Jesus lives in you as your savior. Well, I've got some really good news. The word gospel means good news. Here is the good news. God is crazy about you. He loves you. He created you for himself and he redeemed you. The Bible says that God demonstrates his love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. The Bible says this about Jesus. Jesus himself says this. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone, anyone, doesn't matter how long you've sinned, how badly you've sinned, what kind of sins, if anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in to them and I will sup with them. I will have relationship. I will have intimacy with them. So if that's you today, you know, you know you're a sinner, you're not sure where you are, but you own what Christ did and you own that he's knocking today. I've got every head bowed because this is between you and God. I have people raise their hands because I like to, to pray a prayer to help you open your door because somebody helped me open mine. So if that is you, Jesus is knocking and you want to open your door, would you just raise your hand real high right now, long enough, to, I see that hand. I see that hand. I see this hand and this hand and this hand and this hand. God bless you. I see that hand up in the balcony. You guys can put those hands all down right now. Is there anybody else? I got you, bro. God bless you. Anybody else by upraised hand want to join these that have already raised their hand? Jesus loves you. God wants to forgive you. He wants a new beginning for every single one of us. Anybody else? This is why he died. Gotcha. God bless you. So if you raise your hand, would you just put your hand over your heart right now and pray something like this in your own words to God. Lord, I thank you that you love me. I know that I'm a sinner. I know that I need a Savior. I know there's lots of evidence that I need, I need help. And so Jesus, I hear you knocking today and the best of my ability, I'm opening up my door by faith right now. Would you come in? Would you forgive me? Would you wash me? Would you cleanse me? I receive right now your gift of eternal life. Come, Lord. Come, Lord. I pray for everyone that prayed their prayer right now, Lord, that you would confirm it in their heart by the Holy Spirit, that they would know that they know that they know that that prayer was not just to the ceiling, but that you heard this prayer. Holy Spirit, give a witness right now, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, could we stand together? Here is the second call. You have been afraid. You've been afraid because of debt. You've been afraid because of college that you don't know how you're going to pay for your kids. You've been afraid of retirement because you don't know if you have enough money. You've You've been afraid about money. Listen, Jesus wants to take away that fear. 
He wants to release into your very name, your very identity, that He is your provider. That as long as He is in your boat, you're not sinking. You are not sinking. He wants to come against that loud, roaring voice that says you're going to fail. That is, that's the enemy. He comes like a roaring lion, whom you resist steadfast in the faith. God wants to break that vo- the power of that voice in your life. He wants you to know that you're always going to have enough because he is enough. So if that's you, would you just open your arms like this to the Lord? I just want to pray for you. Lord, it's amazing that you don't just invite us to partner with you in your things, but then you invite us to let you partner in our things. And Lord, this morning, this this is very close to home. This is very close to how this world operates. And you want to help us. And so I break that spirit of fear in Jesus' name. That spirit of lack, of not having enough, I break that thing in Jesus' mighty name. Spirit of poverty, I break it in Jesus' mighty name. You are a generous provider. You are a good, good God. And Father, I pray that you would invite people into the adventure of of giving, the adventure of obeying. I'll tell you what, guys, your Christianity is never boring when you're obeying God and you're like, I need God to come through. (laughs) I need God to come through. It's never boring. Lord, I know it's terrifying to to step into worship in, in this real of a way, but I just pray you would invite people. Test me. Test me. Come on. Let's do this. Raise up a people that's burning for you, Jesus. That's all in for you. And then, God, I just pray. I pray against every Goliath, every credit card right here today. God, you know the exact amount of credit. You know the mistake that led to it. You know everybody that has been cheated by family or friends. You know everybody that that are living in the regret of something that was done to them or something they did and and they can't seem to move on financially because there's so much regret. I wish I hadn't done that. I wish I hadn't done that. Or they cheated me. Listen, I want you to know something. It's all monopoly money. It's all, you got to tell yourself this. One day the box is going to be put away and and money's not going to mean anything in heaven. You are not your financial problem. That it's all, it's all going to be put back in the box one day. And so God, I just pray that everyone would receive a new beginning today. And they would just give you the regret, give you the pain, give you the shame, give you whatever it is that has led to the current situation. And then Lord, we are giving you Goliath. We're giving you Goliath. Father, in Jesus' name, so lift that fear off your people. Lift that weight off your people, God, in Jesus' name. Grant and release that new beginning with you. And then, Father, I pray even right now, you'd give a vision of us burning our credit card, burning our mortgage bills, burning it. The, The day is coming 
when Goliath will be completely slain. Would you do that, God? We thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Woohoo! So we're going to have ministry teams at the front. The worship team is going to go. Um, if you'd like prayer, more prayer, come on up. God bless you. Hope to see you tonight.